Hello, friends, and welcome back to this new edition of In Depth with Beth and Seth, your favorite podcast from Plymouth Congregational Church in Minneapolis. And after a week off, we are back again. I know you missed us. I know you may have been worried that we were gone forever, but we're not. It was just a week off, so my friend here, Beth, could go have some respite. Hi, Beth. How was your respite? Seth, hello, everyone. Uh, it was wonderful and a bit too short, as most respites often are. But uh, I went up to the Iron Range, and I've Vacation never... Vacation capital of America. <laughs> I've never spent any time there, but I had a lovely little place on a beautiful lake. It was really a necessary few days away. I did think about the podcast, though. I do enjoy this time with you, and I'm glad that we can do it almost regularly. I don't know. We need, like, some kind of tagline. The almost weekly podcast. (laughs) Weekly with an asterisk. (laughs) But we should probably introduce ourselves in case we have any new listeners this week. I am Beth Hoffman Faith, and I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth. And my name is Seth Patterson, and I am your Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater. And Beth, not only are you speaking on the podcast, but you talked the words in the sermon yesterday at church. So after your respite, you came back and wrote a sermon. I did indeed. And this one is called The Problem with Paneled Houses on November 7th, 2021. And you can find a recording of this on our website. And if you do, you can also find our emails and then you can communicate with us. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on the sermon or the podcast. And you preached from, I know it's so cliche at this point, the book of Haggai, which everybody, everybody knows the book of Haggai. Yeah. And this was another the your second sermon in our Command to Preach series. And you pulled Haggai. From, I did. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that a couple of people yesterday, and we'll talk about yesterday because it was a very significant day. But a couple of people said, every time you said, hey, guy, I thought you were saying, hey, guys, hey, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I had three people say that to me. So it wasn't just. Hey, guys. (laughs) One time you did have a little uh, flub and you called it Hagar. um, Oh, I did. Comic strip. Yeah. Mm. I assume like the comic strip was on your mind on a Sunday morning, spending, (laughs) having spent the morning reading the paper and the comics, right? Um, No. No, oh, okay. but Hagar from, you know, is a little bit more known to some people, uh, biblical Hagar, you know, not, Hey not guys, hey, <laughs> hey guy. Yes. I do believe that so far now I know that we haven't finished the series and we are going to pick it up again after the first of the year while taking a break over Advent for a different kind of theme. I'm guessing there are some even more obscure uh, texts, but I do believe that so far I win for the most obscure text. You do. And you mentioned yesterday was a significant day. Oh my goodness. So what happened yesterday? What happened yesterday? So after 20 months of not having worship in the sanctuary, now I will remind everyone that we have been gathering in person for worship for the last five months outside in the 10th, but we have not had the sanctuary open since March 8th of 2020. Almost to the day, 20 months. Yes. 20 months. And so yesterday with both hope and some trepidation and a lot of preparation, we welcomed people back in for both the nine o'clock and 11 o'clock service. I found myself, uh, there were layers of emotion for sure. Yeah, Yeah. me too. 
Um, and I was wiped out afterwards. I yes. came home and I could, I had to have more coffee. It, it, it was exhausting. I'm always acutely aware of how much energy we put out when we uh, lead worship. And over the years, as my extroverted self has become a bit more introverted, it has become even more exhausting, not in a bad way. It's a very satisfying way, but it still happens. But yesterday, I too, there was something very significant about two in-person worship services. Um, And then we had, I had a third service last night at five o'clock. I could barely stand up by the time I got home (laughs) about 7 PM. I was done in that's for sure. But it was really good to see people in the pews. I know that it was an emotional for the many who did come. And I also know that it was emotional for those who, for many reasons, are not ready to come back who are watching. So there was a lot of tenderness for me in the day as well. I agree. I found myself when I came home wishing that I had been able to be more effusive than I was. Like somehow I should have been more of, because I do the welcome and and sort of that moment of, of welcoming back. And I wasn't able to be as excited as I think that maybe I should. That's a dirty word, but, or people expected from me in that moment, I felt very subdued. I was not able to manufacture, nor was I willing to manufacture a um, something else. And do you know why? I think it was partially because another significant part of yesterday, it was All Saints mm-hmm. Sunday. And mm-hmm. so it, it was you know, one of the first things I did in both services was pray for all the lives lost to covid internationally, nationally, and in Minnesota. Those numbers are just astounding, Seth. They're just astounding. They're astounding. And then looking out at people, living people, mm. in the wake of that, it, it it was a complex set of emotions. And and as you've named before, the, the feeling and the wondering of if or when somebody gets sick and comes into the, that space and it potentially spreads, what will I do with that? And just be was very real looking at the faces of the people in the room. Mm. Yeah, especially young people and and older people. And yeah, there, there was so, and really the first time where we've also had to welcome and ride that line between speaking to the camera and speaking to people. So there are people who didn't feel comfortable. So I wasn't, I didn't want to be like, thank you for coming back. It's wonderful you were here. Mm. This is amazing. And then also the people who are not feeling comfortable saying, well, yeah, what about us? Am I left out? Mm-hmm. Am I not welcome? It, it was a lot. A lot to carry. And certainly that was heavily on my mind as I prepared and wrote the sermon too, because I do have a great, great deal of tenderness for those people who are, who are more reticent to join in. You know, we, we have been really, really cautious in these last 20 months, making decisions for the good of all, not just some, really trying to be mindful, um, our COVID advisory group, really trying to be mindful of being inclusive in our decision-making, rather exclusive by saying, oh, well, these people can come back or these people should stay away. We haven't wanted to do that. And there's, there's been a real heaviness. And even when we did decide that this this was what we're going to do and um, feeling like, I don't know if it was the right time. It was the time to make this decision. Right. And there was not a lot of choice. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of choice. And yet feeling very cautious. The numbers in Minnesota are not really supportive of this decision. The daily case rates of COVID are higher than they've been in a, in a while. And it's hard to know why we aren't following the rest of the nation in terms of the Delta peak yet. Um, the COVID team really wanted 
three weeks of declining numbers before we came back together in the sanctuary, but uh, we decided to abandon that as we prepared for yesterday. And so, yeah, there's a lot, there was just a lot of, of pieces to this puzzle we call Plymouth Church. And the other side of it is I was overwhelmed in some ways with the emotion of seeing people mm. again. And so that was a piece of it. All of those other things. And oh my goodness, there you are. Mm-hmm. Look, we're not alone. Yeah. And walking really... into that sanctuary every Sunday for 20 months. Right. And it was I... humbling to stand in the pulpit and look out and see people at both services. Well, I loved the tent. I loved worshiping in the tent. There was obviously a difference. This is our worship home, the sanctuary. And I I looked out and there were people crying Mm -hmm. and there would be people watching other people's emotions. There was, there was a lot in that room. Yes. But luckily, luckily Haggai was there. (laughs) Haggai was there to, (laughs) to rescue us from, from all of that. Tell us something, anything about Haggai, because more than likely nobody listening has any clue. And even if they listen to your sermon and you you gave some background, we still know almost nothing about Haggai, this book in the Bible. Tell us something. Well, it's interesting because because some people, and I made that kind of known at the beginning of the sermon, like my guess is none of you really know anything about them. I heard from a couple of people who did remembered Haggai from a more conservative time in the church growing up, perhaps where they heard about all those prophets, those minor prophets at the end of the first Testament. But, you know, the other thing is that Haggai gets very little space in the Bible, only about two pages. (laughs) It doesn't take up a lot of time. And like I said yesterday, if you flip through, you will probably miss it. You probably have to do that a few times before landing on the right page, you know, or else you really have to go to that table of contents and and look it up. The other thing about, about Haggai's time is it was really short. He prophesied for about four months, which sounds like a tiny little blip in the spectrum of time. He went back to like the bakery. (laughs) Well, I don't. His time as a prophet had come to an end. However, that happens for prophets. Man, prophecy just doesn't sustain a family. I'm. (laughs) I gotta go go find other things. Mrs. Haggai said, "Come on," or Mr. Haggai said, "Come on, get, get a real job." What I find interesting is that. You know, when I first read this text, when I first pulled it, and again, thank you to Richard Spratt, who submitted it and asked some very thoughtful questions, most of which I didn't have time to address in the sermon. They were big questions. They were big questions, powerful questions, obviously sparked, like he knew this text. He's, you know, he referenced the fact this was something he remembered the elders of his church talking about or referring to. But the more I read this brief section of a brief book, it was um, applicable, I think, to today, just in the fact of what we lived through. And, you know, he was talking to a people back from exile, not newly back. They had been reestablishing themselves in Jerusalem since being exiled to Babylonia. And initially when they came back, they were very enthusiastic about rebuilding the temple that had been destroyed because the temple was not only the place where one came to worship God, but it was like the community center. This was where things happened and evolved within community. And they were really excited about that until they weren't. I mean, how many projects have we started that in our lives, in our homes, in our communities, and then we have a lot of enthusiasm and then th- something happens or life takes over or, or those problems interest. become a lot harder than we 
thought they were at first. Right. And what Haggai was pointing out was now you're too consumed with your own homes. You've forgotten about the home, the home for God, you know, the space where we worship. You're way too focused on your individuality in and providing your home. And I have a lot of empathy for those Israelites. Of course, of course, they had just endured the trauma of exile why wouldn't they want to create their homes? And then I started thinking about what life has been like for us in pandemic. And for many of us, I know this isn't universal by any means. And I'm thinking about so many people who have unstable homes or no home at all, but our home had become, has become our refuge. You know, our home became our sanctuary. Our home was the place that felt safest. And we spent a whole lot more time in our homes than maybe we ever did before. And what Haggai was doing was sort of like, hey, guys, really? Hey, guys, wake up. Good callback. Good (laughs) callback. It's time. It's time to think about community and not just self. And I have to say that I agree with Haggai. It's time for us as a community, too. We have spent 20 months in isolation and away from one another. Well, now we're starting to come back. What does it mean? We cannot go back to the way things were. What does it look like moving forward? And you asked that question really well at the end of the sermon, actually throughout, but explicitly at the end of the sermon. And you often in these podcasts (laughs) bring up a certain something about why is it that we ask questions and we don't, we say that we ask the why, but we don't, we don't give the how. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to point out Reverend Hoffman Faith (laughs) that you gave us no how, but you did ask this question or these questions that I've been holding Um, since yesterday, you say, how do we care for the whole community by being a church willing to put the needs of others before our own desires? That is the sentence that landed on me both services yesterday. It really resonated. And then you finish the sermon by saying, what kind of temple will we build Plymouth? What church will we be? You asked incredibly poignant, powerful, necessary, both church and individual and societal questions, but you didn't tell us how to do it. I know. I know. And I even confessed that to you before I preached it. You did. (laughs) (laughs) I came in and said, I'm doing exactly what I say. I don't like, and that is I'm addressing the why I'm just, I'm dating the what, but I'm not giving the how. And I guess in this case, I would say that we have to live within the question for a bit. Especially because we have, we are just coming back into in-person community, but we are a changed community because we can no longer just be about who we see in the pews and who we see in the building because our community has expanded in this pandemic. Virtually, we have been, you know, we have reached many people, some of whom live close by, but many of whom don't. And aren't they still yet to community to us? Yes. So- I think that we have some discernment to do about what it means now to be a post-pandemic church. And I know we're not quite post-pandemic yet. We may never be. Some experts you know, say we will always have COVID in our midst and it will ebb and flow in terms of its severity for uh, some of our lifetimes. So how do we do this thing we call church now? Because we are very different people than we were on March 8th, 2020. There's a clue in your question, for me at least, which is you talk about, you ask the question, how how do we help others with what they need Mm -hmm. instead of focusing only on 
what we want. I'm paraphrasing. And I think that need and want is a clue to this somehow. And as a parent of a, of a young person, mm. we talk a lot about needs and wants. I need this. Do you? Mm. Do you need it? We play the song, the Rolling Stones song, You Don't Always Get What You Want a lot, where we sing it, because so much is centered on what I want. Mm. We've heard that in this pandemic, too. I mean, in this time where people have been really impatient to come back into, into the sanctuary and a little frustrated that we weren't yet doing that because they, they needed slash wanted to feel the spiritual connection that they weren't getting from seeing um, to, from being a part of a virtual community or, or that they weren't satisfied with what was happening outside in the tent. I guess I think that we do need to let the questions resonate and then we need to be very intentional about how we might find the answers. Yes. And much of this then rests again on the listeners, on the community. Mm-hmm. It is up to us to discern what is it we need and what is it we want. There were people who I think needed to come back into the sanctuary in mm-hmm. person. And there were some that wanted it. And it's on the discernment of the individual, that tough work of saying, asking yourself, do you need or want this? Though what I like about the framework of this is it puts it back on us individuals and as part of a community to live in the questions, not just together, but I have something, I have an ownership in this. Mm-hmm. When, when I claim something, am I claiming a want? or claiming a need? And then what do I do with that into a community? Yes. And it's one thing to come back into a sacred space and to get filled up by the experience of worship together with whatever worship elements speak to you the most or provide that sustenance that you're searching for. But then the very next thing is, well, then now what? Okay. We will continue to come back in this space as carefully and safely as we can and worship together and worship is the primary role to me of a spiritual community and then there are ways to go and be church in the world like how is plymouth then going to show up in the world how are we going to take the experience of our togetherness and community and recreate redefine renew the work that awaits us outside our doors because i do think it's about getting outside of our paneled house yeah. which you know sits on the corner of Nicolette and Franklin. It's... And then bring those experiences back in right? to right. reinforce and reinform the together part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of that we have to do alone. Some of that we do on our own pilgrimage, but much of what we do, we can do in community. And I think that a new thing for the church may be exactly what we need. Thank you, Beth, for preaching a sermon worth talking about. And thank you all for listening. Please do listen to the sermon on Plymouth.org, and you can read it there as well. Our emails are there, and please tell us what you wonder. Yes, Ask and us if you, the questions you have. And if you have an answer to the how part, we want to hear that. We want to know that. We want to let all those ideas um, resonate, generate, and, and come to life. Be well, all. <laughs>